0: Hearty and heartfelt welcome to you all. Whether you are a fitness professional, a coach, or you're someone seeking information for yourself, this is the Better Than Fine podcast, and I am your host, Darlie Marshall. And today is a big day for quite a few reasons. The first is here I am on the NASM Podcast Network, and this is the first episode of Better Than Fine to be here with NASM, and I am honored, I am excited, I am humbled to be here with you. But this is not the first episode of Better Than Fine. This is actually, coincidentally, the 100th episode of Better Than Fine. I started Better Than Fine in February 24th of 2020, uh, while I was in grad school studying positive psychology. And when I think back to that moment, You know, I had an inkling that there might be this like bug going around and maybe something was about to happen. I was in New York City at the time, but I had this aspiration for a podcast where I could blend my background in fitness, my education as a nutrition coach and as a yogi, a mindfulness and meditation instructor. I had all this background in the fitness world and I was studying positive psychology at the time. It's the science of human well-being. And my focus was on behavior change. And I thought, okay, I want to do a show where I blend these different ideas. But I didn't know then what we all know now, uh, what was coming in those intervening two years. And what the show became was a place that I could share information on resilience and burnout, on coping and stress, and on ways that we could trigger positive experience that could help us get through challenge and to bring evidence-based information, meaning science-backed and verified, into the wellness space, which in my experience so often is so such muddy, muddy water. And so for the past two years, that's been my focus. Uh, And this show has meant an awful lot to me along the way. So to the NASM Podcast Network fans who are joining, I want to share. My name is Arlene Marshall. I've got 10 years in the fitness and wellness space. I've got certifications as a personal trainer, a wellness coach, yoga instructor, mindfulness and meditation, nutrition, sleep, you name it. I've studied it. If it has anything to do with lifestyle already mentioned this background in positive psychology. There are very very few people in the fitness industry who have a positive psychology background and really my niche is bringing the science of human well-being, this greater idea of what it means to flourish, to thrive beyond really abstract concepts of happiness. How do we bring that into our daily living? And how do we do it in a way that fosters vitality, a sense of energy of purpose and meaning. And how do we take that, that big body of research out there on, on being, on fitness, on movement, on sleep, and how do we apply it in ways that are sustainable to you? Or if you're a coach or a fitness professional, if you help people with their lifestyle, how can you take all that big disparate information and help someone with it? Because that's really what I'm about. And so doing this show, the 99 episodes of this show so far has given me an opportunity to affect positive and meaningful change far beyond my one-on-one clients or the workshops that I teach or when I teach yoga. It's affected the lives of people I've never even met who've reached out and told me what it's meant to them. And it has taken me further than I've ever dreamed. It was through Better Than Fine that I had the opportunity to partner with NASM on some projects, uh, one of which was writing for the Certified Wellness Coaching Certification, which I think is honestly professionally one of the things I've been most proud of, maybe other than this show. Uh, And so to get to be here for the 100th episode with NASM is really kismet for me. So... All that being said, let's get to it. Let's get to this hundredth episode because today I want to talk about something I think that probably all of us do. Maybe I should take a dive into the research on whether or not does everyone do this? Uh, I bet you do this. I know I do this. It's when we're really harsh with ourselves, when we're beating ourselves up, that moment when you recognize that you are just being mean to yourself and you could intervene. You could treat yourself just a little bit better. How do you catch yourself in that moment? How do you change your mindset, your mood, your internal dialogue and give yourself the grace and the kindness that you need, maybe even that you deserve? Because I believe that we all deserve kindness. Uh, and that that self-kindness and compassion. That's what we're going to talk about today. So let's get to it. So many of us beat ourselves up. Right? Your internal dialogue becomes a bit of total garbage. <laughs> that negative self-talk. It's, you know, a way that we treat ourselves that we would never talk to another person. Definitely not anybody that we love, that we care about, that we want good things for hopefully you can relate. I certainly can. And I've been especially guilty of this lately. Maybe that's why we're doing this episode today. You know, sometimes we know why we do this. Sometimes we really don't. Uh, and I know exactly why I've been doing it lately. About three weeks ago, my grandmother wasn't feeling very well. Uh, and if you know me, one thing that you should know about me listening to this episode is I love my grandma. Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood here in the United States, had a children's show uh, where he would say on that show that every child should have a special person who sees them for their potential, who loves them unconditionally, who really gets them and understands who they are. And for me, that is my grandma, Betty. She's 87. But she is all the good things in the world. Uh, and another bit of context for this story is I'm getting... Get married in a couple of weeks. And at the time this all happened, uh, it was seven weeks before my wedding. My grandmother got really, really sick. And I thought she was going to die. I really did think I was going to lo- lose her. Uh, I spent the night sleeping in the chair next to her hotel bed, holding her hands so that if it happened, I would be there. Uh, and then I spent the next few days in bed. And I I was an absolute mess. And you know, when your grandma gets into her 80s, you kind of accept at a certain point that like, okay, that it's going to come eventually. And I've been telling myself the story that I could totally handle it. I got this, right? I'm an actualized person. I've studied emotion. I know coping strategies. I can get through this. Um, the good news of this story is that she's pulled through. We figured it out. She's doing great. Uh, and we're we're going to make it. Um, and she's, she's going to be herself at the wedding. We're all really excited. But since then, I have been beating myself up kind of hard, <laughs> kind of harshly. Um, I've been telling myself a lot of stories about how the things that I'm doing aren't good enough, uh, or they're pointless. They don't actually serve my purpose the way that I always told myself they did. Um, and even though there's a lot going on, even though I'm planning my wedding, I've been getting down feeling a little depressed. Uh, And even though I've had this literal existential crisis, the existence of my grandma uh, over my shoulder, I've then been beating myself up for that reaction, which if I take a step back, I could see that that reaction's totally normal, right? The the fear of loss is a very human, normal experience. But not only am I having the reaction to the, the possibility of the loss, I'm then having the reaction to the reaction, right? That's, that's some pretty meta level beating oneself up. So let's dive a little deeper into the self-compassion piece here on the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Arlene Marshall, and we're going to talk a bit about how do you respond to yourself in the moment that you recognize you're beating yourself up, like I've been doing these last few weeks? How do you give yourself a break? Where does this all come from? And I think maybe more importantly, what do we do about it? Well, I think it comes from a lot of places because people are complex. It could be your psychological state, your physiological predispositions, right? Like, do you are you predisposed to focusing a little more on the negative? Are you a little more pessimistic with the way that you explain your world to yourself? You know, there are also times that challenge the way that we think that the world works. Your schema is what we call it in psychology. It's this idea. You've got all these subconscious ideas and rules about how the world works. And maybe something like, I don't know, your grandma getting sick, (laughs) challenges your idea about how you think the world works. Or maybe it's a big pandemic. Uh, So the word schema, this idea of uh, the network of ideas and beliefs of how the world works. So sometimes it's none of those things. Sometimes we've internalized the ideas, the voices of other people, maybe other people, even when you were growing up. Uh, So these these other voices, these other ideas, you internalize them as if they were yours. And it's important to own that regardless of which of these things it is, it's not your fault. You can't control the uncontrollable aspects of the world or of yourself. You can't even control what thought you're going to have next. What you can control is what you do with it. So maybe you can't control forever whether or not you beat yourself up, but you can control what you do once you realize that you are beating yourself up. And then how do you respond? How do you give yourself a break? not just in the moment that you're in that you're beating yourself up, but also how you're gonna prime yourself to do better next time and carry all of those skills forward. That's a lot, that's a lot in this pie of self-compassion of giving yourself a break here on the Better Than Fine podcast. So I'm gonna carry you into what we do about it. And first, I think it all starts with self-awareness. Your ability to monitor yourself, to recognize your patterns, whether you're using meditation or journaling or therapy, whatever helps you to observe yourself better. Now, this is vital because you have to know when you're being negative or who you don't want to be when you want to grow up, right? You got to be able to recognize that you don't want those things in order to change it. And this would also be why sharing with people you trust is just so vitally important. We want them to give us the feedback to help us to see ourselves more clearly, to build that self-awareness skill set. So whether that's someone in your personal life that you can trust and be vulnerable with, or that's a coach or a trainer or a therapist, if it's something clinical, whatever that appropriate scope and context is. Getting the mirroring, getting the feedback helps us build the self-awareness. Maybe it's even listening to a podcast, right? Maybe it's listening to better than fine so that you can hear yourself. Oh, oh, I beat myself up like that. That's not, oh, I can change that. Cool. That level of self-awareness is the first step. And let's own in this moment that self-awareness can be uncomfortable sometimes. We're looking at things about ourselves that we might not like, but if you take the mindset that that awareness is empowering, right, that this is an opportunity to gain information about yourself in the world, that awareness, that acceptance, that mindset opens you up. It softens those hard and rigid parts of you. Because when you recognize you're being harsh and unkind to yourself, now there's an opportunity. Now there's a chance for meaningful change. That's what comes from awareness. If you didn't know you were doing it, how could you possibly change it? How could you possibly give yourself a break? You're listening to the Better and Fine podcast. We're talking about self-compassion. I'm your host, Darlene Marshall, and I'm assuming that you're here with us because you want the chance to change. You want the opportunity to give yourself a break. And oftentimes, this is the moment that I'll ask a client, well, how do you want to feel? Or how do you want to be? And for a lot of people, that those questions... It, Freezes them in their tracks because they could say all the things they don't want, but they will struggle to say the things that they do want for themselves. Additive thinking can be really overwhelming because we evolved as a species to avoid the bad stuff. Humans have something called a negativity bias, where we focus more on the bad things that happen to us than the good things. And this is important. It kept our evolutionary ancestors alive because if we recognize a potential threat to us or those we love or those we're responsible for, we had to keep an eye on that threat. We had to keep an eye out for that threat. So our ancestors who had that negativity bias did better than those who are like ignoring what could, I don't know, take them out. Well, we are their descendants. So we have that negativity bias in us, that likeliness to focus on all the things that are going wrong. Now we live in a world, many of us, where our foundational needs are already met, but at the same time, any hour of the day, your digital devices could poke you with the worst possible news that is happening on the planet right now and put it right in front of your eyes. And knowing about negativity bias is important because it means that you could mitigate against its effects. You can recognize that your mind is wired to focus on the negative. And for some of us, that means focusing on the negatives about ourselves. Gaining more awareness of this means that you can become more aware of when you're beating yourself up. This is the better than fine podcast. We're talking about the ways that we can use self-compassion to give yourself a break. I'm Darlene Marshall. And this moment, this gaining awareness of the things about ourselves, we don't entirely like, and the things about ourselves that we're being reactive and negative about, this is where the grace comes in. This is where you have the opportunity for kindness for self-compassion, for giving yourself a break. I think self-compassion is such an interesting set of concepts and topics. So the world's leading researcher in self-compassion, she's named Kristin Neff and she, her modeling of self-compassion says it has three key components. So the first is to choose self-kindness over self-judgment. So in that moment that you see that you're beating yourself up, instead of going, oh, I'm doing it again. I'm beating myself up again. I promised myself I wasn't going to do this. I'm such a loser. I'm such an idiot. Whatever that is. Going. And meeting that moment with kindness. Oh, there it is again. Oh, loving myself in that moment ain't easy, but I'm going to do it. The second component is recognizing that you're a human and that in your common humanity you struggle in the same ways that other human beings struggle and this is in contrast to telling yourself everybody else is doing so much better than me they don't struggle the way that I do I'm, I'm a freak I'm stupid I'm why would I do this like telling yourself that you are somehow broken or bad Instead of recognizing that we are all in a universal human experience that involves challenge. And the third is being mindful of yourself, getting to know your reactions, your stories, so that you can see when you're struggling and then in that moment to neither minimize that struggle or inflate it, right? To have an appropriate response from a place of mindful awareness. Okay, so this is Kristen Neff's model, these three elements, self-kindness, mindfulness, common humanity. So what do we do about it? How do we use it? How do we meet ourselves in that place and give yourself a break? And there's all these different tools and tricks and mirrors and cues that you can use when you catch yourself. Some of them sound a little trite, but they're actually quite effective. In my experience, if you give yourself permission to just try it. Uh, so the first is, how would you want your daughter, your best friend, your grandma, or someone else that you love, how would you want them to be treated if they found yourself in the same situation, right? So whatever you're reacting to and beating yourself up and you catch yourself, how would you want your grandma treated or whomever it is that you love? Now, if that doesn't work for you, or you're looking to explore this in another way. Anything that raises these three elements, right? Your sense of common humanity, so connection, community, your sense of mindfulness. So this would be meditation, another mindfulness practice, something that sets the foundation so that you can see yourself and respond even more clearly. Um, And kindness, ways that you can express kindness back to yourself. To grow self-kindness, you first have to recognize the ways in which you're being critical of yourself. We've already mentioned that this can be painful, uh, maybe even shameful. For some people, it's steeped in in grief, in guilt. That's, That's where I was stuck these last few weeks. But being willing to face it Being willing to face that challenging emotion, that very human place, gives you the opportunity to meet it, to get to know yourself more deeply and to address whatever that information of those emotions is trying to tell you. This can be some brave stuff because sometimes it can feel like you are leaning into things that are hurtful, but you're doing it intentionally. For me to give myself compassion in reaction to these last few weeks has meant admitting to myself that the person I love more than probably anyone in my life, and my fiance knows that, uh, I'll lose her eventually. And that grief is hard, but with that also comes an acceptance of my own humanity and my deep, deep love for her and how lucky I've been to have her. That's hard to go into intentionally. And it's also the process of accepting our humanness. Right. And that common humanity piece is part of Kristen Ness' self compassion equation. But I think of it like setting a broken bone, uh, having broken quite a few. Uh, fun fact about Darlene played rugby in college and used to rock climb. I've had. a few who reset broken bones. If you want a broken bone to heal properly, you have to reset that fracture. Uh, And that can be really unpleasant. (laughs) Um, Getting a broken bone to heal is painful, but you want it to be fully functional again. Emotions are no different. But you don't have to stay there. You don't have to wallow in that place of difficult emotions, you learn to respond. So these are just a few things that I've found helpful along the way. Uh, And you're listening to an episode on self-compassion. This is the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm Darlene Marshall. Okay, so probably one of the first skills along this line that I learned uh, long before I knew who Kristen Neff was or self-compassion or positive psychology was to give my negative self-talk a name. I named it Ashley because that's a girl who was mean to me in high school and it's been very effective. And I don't respond to that, that voice of Ashley that beat myself up with harshness. When I first started using this technique, I would respond by being mean to my own meanness, which is just another form of meanness, right? So you don't want to respond like you're mad at yourself. You wanna to respond to, with kindness. So how would you respond to a kid that you love who's upset? You're not gonna be nasty or critical. You wanna be understanding, right? So the, the actual response I use in my own mind is, Ashley, you're not being helpful right now. You're not helping anyone. <laughs> and then I wanna invite you to explore the emotional information underneath. Ask yourself, where's this coming from? What's this really about? What is this discomfort trying to tell me about the situation I'm in or myself? And then, we turn to like I said it can feel a little trite. What would you say to your best friend? How would you respond to someone I that you love? And then with that positive response, reinforce it with positive action. What Proactive behavior could you take to soothe and comfort those rough emotional edges that have come up through this process? This all isn't easy, simple, or fast. Uh, Self compassion is not a pill, it is not a biohack. (laughs) Uh, It is deep work of meeting yourself so that you can step fully into your own potential as a person. And into your own humanity uh you know part of the nasm certified wellness coaching course they define wellness and one of the things i really like about their definition is that it's an ongoing process about your betterment of your life right it's a phrase they use in the ad And in this case, we're talking about emotional betterment. Learning to cut yourself some slack, to give yourself a break, it is a big part of that emotional betterment process. I believe when you do that process with more kindness and more care, you're not only affecting your own emotional landscape. I genuinely believe that when we are able to learn how to extend these things to ourselves, we become more genuine in extending them to others. And we are in a world now that can use our kindness and our compassion. I want to reiterate, wellness is not a pill or a biohack. It's a process about, of learning about yourself and caring for that person that you are on a deep and fundamental level. It's a process of introspection of examination of growth and sometimes it is work but it is worth the payoff if you get this new level of self-respect and self-esteem and if you are very fortunate of self-actualization which i realize is probably an episode we should do soon <laughs> um and the payoff is huge and it is deeply meaningful to who you are as a person and how you get to go about living your life. First episode on the NASM podcast network, 100th episode of Better Than Fine. I want to thank you for listening. We're going to leave it there. I'm Darlene Marshall. Thank you for joining me for this first episode with NASM. and We'll see you next week.